So we are in March, and March is、uh, Women's History Month, right? Women's History Month. So、um, I have the honor to to spotlight a woman in history, and so I thought I would choose one of my faves, and I want to talk to you about Emma Curtis Hopkins. I know you've heard a lot about her quotes. I quote her often. I love her. I, I'm an Emma file. I know I am. <laughs> I'm trying to get all of us to love her like I do because I want to create an Emma Nation. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. I really do. Anyway, so let me just tell you a little bit about her because maybe you you've heard of her. You know her name. You're familiar with her quotes. But but do you know the woman? So here she is. She was born in September 2, 1849. She's an American spiritual teacher and leader and writer and mystic. She was an amazing woman. She is what we would consider the founder of the New Thought philosophy. Ah, love it. I just love it. Anyway, she's the author of High Mysticism, Scientific Christian Mental Practice, Resume, a whole,、uh, and others. And she did a gospel series, 75 books on the metaphysical interpretations of the gospel. So, just an incredible, prolific writer. She had a gift for teaching early. Before she was 15, she entered Woodstock Academy in Connecticut as a student. And because of her genius, they put her on the faculty as teacher. <laughs> Before she was 15, I love it. Anyway, she served editorially on the staff at the Christian、uh, Science Journal. So she worked、um, in collaboration with Mary Baker Eddy for a while, and then she found her own purpose in asserting herself and drawing herself into a role of independent leadership and great teacher. She went on to found a seminary in Chicago,、um, and it was regularly.、Um, It was a regular incorporated school through the state, and her ordained ministers were recognized by the state of Illinois. And then, of course, they went out to other states and began to found their own、uh, churches along the way. And students came from all parts of the country to to study with her. Among her students, well, they call her the teacher of teachers because she she taught so many of her students went on to found. Uh, their own、uh, faith traditions within the New Thought movement. Charles and Myrtle Fillmore were her students, and they were the founders of the Unity School of Christianity. H. Emily Cady was the author of the Unity book, Lessons in Truth. She was also a student, as well as Francis Lord and Annie Ricks Millix and George Edwin and Melinda Kramer, who was one of the co-founders of Divine Science. That was kind of in the in the western part of the country.、Um, Ella Wheeler. Ella Wheeler Wilcox, the New Thought poet, was a student of hers. Elizabeth Town, and then, of course, her last student was Ernest Holmes. She was the—he was the last student that she taught. The interesting part about her teaching is that it, well, in New Thought in general, has a unique position among the emergent religions because it is uniquely American. It is an American、uh, New Thought philosophy, and. From the very beginning, women played an integral role in the development of New Thought. Her first graduating class,、uh, the Emma Curtis Hopkins College of Metaphysical Science, in 1889, graduated a total of 22 individuals, 20 of whom were women. She made her transition in 1925. So there you go. A little bit more about the woman behind the name. Of course, we are in March. And in March, the theme is cultivating authenticity. Cultivating authenticity. Wow. And today's talk is called "Who We Are." 
who we are. And it comes from a quote by Brene Brown. You know, she writes an awful lot about being authentic and being courageous and being ourselves. And the quote is, true belonging never asks us to change who we are. True belonging requires us to be who we are. That's authenticity, and I love that. Right? And the dictionary, the dictionary definition of authentic is right, not, not false or copied, genuine, real. Genuine, real, right? And that's us, right, in the world? Yeah, sometimes, maybe. No, <laughs> I don't know. Ever feel like you're wearing a mask? Right? Sometimes you're wearing a mask. Sometimes um, editing your behavior to fit in, right? Depending on who you're with, depending on the on the circle that you're, you're currently in or the uh, people you're currently socializing with, you kind of edit maybe your behavior to, to fit in. Dr. Seuss said, maybe he said this. I don't know. I wasn't able to cite it for sure, but he's, he's credited with saying, why fit in when you were born to stand out? I, I just love that. Why fit in when you were born to stand out? Your authenticity is your gift from spirit. It is your inheritance from spirit. The universe made one and only one of you, whole, perfect, and complete, just as you are. There is nothing missing. It encompasses everything, and there is nothing to be added. Whole, perfect, and complete, just as you are. Your hair color, your eye color, your height, your weight, your whatever, right? You're just perfect. You're the perfect you. That's, that's really all there is. There's seven and a half billion of us walking around the planet right now, and no two of us are alike. And Spirit made you just like that because it wanted you here, here and now, right? Ernest Holmes said he always loved Sri Aurobindo's opinion of why we're here. Sri Aurobindo said, we're here for the delight of God. Isn't that wonderful? It takes, all the, it takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? It's like, you know, whew, you know all, those, all those reasons, like you're here to learn lessons and you're here to go to school and blah, 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 you know, and all that kind of stuff people will tell you. No, you're here for the delight of God. I love that. God loved us into being. That's it. And we're here for the delight. You, you came here into form with your own, you know, gifts and talents. You are custom made, one of a kind. <laughs> That's brilliant. Right? Custom-made, one-of-a-kind gifts and talents that nobody can do the way you can do them. People can do similar things, right? We have lots of musicians. We have lots of artists. We have lots of painters. They're all different, right? You can do something similar to someone else, but, they, but you can't do it their way. You do it your way. There's going to be a difference. We are born authentic. Authentic, one-of-a-kind. Like, like no one else on the planet, until, of course, we begin to succumb to pressures, peer pressure, family rules, societal guidelines on how to be a proper human being. You know those, right? Don't do that and slap you on the hand. Wait to be asked. Don't ask for things. You know, all kinds of stuff, right? We, we grew up with all kinds of rules. And then we mask up to fit in. We hold back parts of ourselves to fit in. We censor ourselves to fit in. In Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection, she said, authenticity is a collection of choices we must make every day. 
It is about the choice to show up being real. The choice is to be honest. The choice is to let our true selves be seen. All right? Why not? Let your true selves be seen. Well, because it's scary, isn't it? It's scary because <clears throat> you can be rejected and ostracized and kicked out of whatever group you think you want to belong to or, or whatever group you're hanging currently, you know? I remember when I was younger, younger, high school, early 20, late teen, whatever, <laughs> younger, I wore masks all the time to fit into groups that I thought I wanted to be in at the moment. Right? And that changed for, you know, <laughs> you know my concert-going hippie friends, right? You know, the, the pot-smoking, seeking, concert-going hippie friends. Be a hippie. Drag racing with my greaser buddies on Friday and Saturday night, seeing just how fast I can get that roadrunner to go. They had 380, Mopar, yay, you know, <laughs> hooker headers, the whole bit. I was really good in the quarter mile. Mm. Buying clothes with my girlfriends, you know, the girly stuff. And then, and then hanging with the college-bound nerd group and, you know, talking all about which colleges we're going to apply to and go to with all my academic brainy friends. Fitting in and being a different person with all these different... Am I, this is like TMI. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I don't usually talk about myself up here. This is embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, what I wanted to share about that is it was exhausting. <laughs> it is exhausting to be a different person in a different group each time, and then to remember who you're supposed to be when you're with that group. Oh my God, you know, I never met anybody like you. Well, I've never been this person before, and I sure as hell can't keep it up much longer. You know? Oh my God, you know, it's just... <sighs> so my path through life has been one of integration. My, my life has been integration. To find the courage to be myself, just be myself in all of these different groups. To be myself and authentic with others. To be me, the real me, the inside me, without the masks, you know, all of them, to drop them all, and to be me all the time. Right? And that's why when you see me up here, this is it. You got it, you know? It's all there is. It's the same me you'll see in the office. It's the same me you'll see at home. It's the same me you'll see at the grocery store. It's just me, you know? It's, it's like there are no different me's. And, and so that, this journey that I've been on of integration makes me really sensitive to the buzzwords, and I can hear them and I can identify them, you know? It's like when people tell me, well, which hat do you want me to wear when they're talking to me, you know? Do you want me to wear my minister hat? Do you want me to wear my friend hat? Do you want me to wear the... It's like, I don't want you to wear any hats, you know? Hat, hat equals mask, right? It's the same thing. And the answer will change depending on which hat the person is wearing. No, doesn't work for me, right? Does not work. And you know, maybe that's my super... Maybe that's my superpower. I can see masks, so watch out. <laughs> I can see masks, right? I don't know. Anyway, it takes courage right? To finally drop the mask. It takes courage to say, I'm just going to be me, and like, people are going to just like me or not like me, you know, accept me or reject me, but it's the real me coming out. It's not a type, it's not a, it's not a, a phony, it's not a mask wearing. It's the real authentic me, and it takes courage to do that in the real world. And that's why we come together here. I love this. This is one of the things that is so precious about spiritual community is you get to be your real self because people love you.
you know, because we love each other. That's it. No, with no strings attached. We just love each other, and we allow that. We allow that authenticity just shine through. Whatever it is, it's like, yeah, there's only love here, you know. And so that's why this this month is called cultivating authenticity because it is a practice, and we'll be talking about it all month long, different ways that we cultivate authenticity. But it is a practice, you know. And and maybe when we were little, little, we let it all hang out, didn't we? We were loud and we were funny and we were, you know, into everything and we wanted to do everything. And then we've been in training ever since to hold things back, to be proper, to be oh, not too loud. Don't be too loud. That was mine. Did it, was anybody else too loud when they were children? Oh my God! There's a bunch of us. Oh good, I'm so glad. Right? Too loud. Don't be too loud. You're too loud. Shh, lower your voice. Right? That was mine. I was too loud. Wherefore. <laughs> We have been told those things forever, but we've also been told forever to be authentic, right? We're getting those mixed messages because really everything we read and everything we knew about about the world has been teaching us to be authentic as well. I mean, look at all the way back to Shakespeare, to thy this above all, this above all. He said, "To thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night, the day. Thou canst not then be false to any man." We know this. We knew this. Authenticity, really, then is our superpower in a way, because we get to show up like nobody else on the planet can show up. When it's our authentic self, and we're not trying to fit in, we're just being ourselves. That really is our superpower, because we're one of a kind. We are one of a kind. Have never been before, and never again. Our gifts and our strengths and our talents are unique to our personality, to ourselves.、Hmm. And if someone has similar gifts and talents as you, they don't express them in exactly the same way either, right? They just don't, because we're one of a kind. Guaranteed, guaranteed. Authenticity calls us to be open about who we are, being integrity with others, and being true to ourselves. And those are different things, right? Being in integrity with others and and being you know authenticity is essentially being true to what you say you are, to who you say you are, and what you say you believe, and then your thoughts and your actions are in alignment with that. Integrity is being true to the principles external to yourself, right? Demonstrating those principles by your thoughts and emotions and deeds, and part of living in integrity is being true to yourself and being true with others, which is really not exactly the same thing as being honest with others either. You know, did you ever hear that? Well, I was just being honest. I'm just being honest.、Uh, just being honest is code for I'm going to criticize you, but I don't want you to take it like that. Right, you know, sometimes, sometimes being honest can be a cruel and hurtful thing, and I know you've probably experienced it. Can be a, an aggressive thing, right? Oh my God, you are just as boring as hell. Am I boring you up here? Right? You are just boring. I'm just being honest, right? Just being honest. No, no. And it might be, but is it truth? Right? It might be honest of you to say that, but is it truth? Sometimes brutal honesty is merely our uncensored thoughts and feelings being spoken in judgment, and maybe hostility, and maybe even arrogance, while the truth is spoken in kindness and empathy. Always, 
Truth, it never hurts. Truth is always spoken in kindness and honesty. When we speak truth, it does not harm anyone. When we speak truth, it can't. It can't. Truth is a universal principle. When we speak truth, it is in love, and it, it is universal principle. So speak your truth out loud. Speak your truth out loud. Right? And it's the principles by which you live your life. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, speak what you think now in hard words. And tomorrow, speak what tomorrow thinks. Again, in hard words. Though it may contradict everything you said today. Ah, so you shall be sure to be misunderstood. Is it so bad then to be misunderstood? Pythagoras was misunderstood. And Socrates, and Jesus and Luther, and Copernicus, and Galileo, and Newton, and to every wise and pure spirit that ever took flesh. To be great is to be misunderstood. The world wants you to be your authentic self. Well, no, wait, I take that back. Maybe the world doesn't want you. Spirit wants you to be your authentic self. Eh, the world, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, <sighs> human race conscious flows through there. And, you know, spirit wants you to be your authentic self. Right who you are, right here, right now. Where spirit placed you. Spirit placed you right here and right now. In this time and in this space. So spirit wants your authenticity, your authentic self to be here and now for the benefit of the world. Whether the world wants it or not, that's not your problem, right? It's yours to be authentic in this place and time because this is where spirit placed you, right here, right now, in this place and time. Your authenticity is needed. You know, I, I, I speak almost once a week here, almost. Sometimes I get a Sunday off. And <clears throat> and a lot of you, I think, take different things away from the talk. I mean, some things will, will, you'll resonate with and other things you won't. And that's just the way it is. And I don't, you know, I'm not attached to that. I mean, I study a lot and I read a lot. And I intend, when I put these talks together, that they are interesting and intriguing and thoughtful and provoking sometimes. So that everyone, there's something there to chew on. There's something you can take away from these talks and think about things that fit into your beliefs and you're like, aha, and you resonate with it right away, right? And then some things that maybe challenge your beliefs. And you're like, hmm, I'm going to have to think about it. I'm not really sure. Maybe there, there are some things in my talks that will irritate you. Uh, and, and things that maybe you'll go away with and start thinking about. I have to think about that. I don't know if I agree or I disagree, right? And I'll have to think about that. You know, they say ministers are supposed to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and our faith philosophy is, is shorn of dogma and duality and superstition. So you get to take from it what resonates with you. Ernest Holmes was always a believer in that. Take what you can use. Take what applies to you. Take what grows you and grows your consciousness and throw away the rest of it. Make your faith philosophy as individualized as you are. 
In his life and teachings, this was what was written. Ernest Holmes wrote, Do not adopt the letter of my teaching, but the spirit. And you will find, as I did, that you will begin to formulate a system that is true for you. I learned for me, and you must learn for yourself, that you must develop your own faith and confidence in your own interpretation of God, humanity, and the universe. And you know, this is, well, it doesn't get better than that though, right? It doesn't get better than that. And this is one of the biggest reasons, I think, one of the things that really drew me to this new thought philosophy, to this particular philosophy, is that it is open at the top, like Ernest Holmes said. It's not a book of rules and requirements. We don't, we don't give you a book when you walk in the door and say, here, believe this or get out, you know? <laughs> we all have to believe the same thing. We all have to wear the same clothes. We all have to, you know, bow or, you know, anything, nothing, right? No, no dogma, no duality, no superstition. Our motivation here is love. That's it, right? That's it. We know the two, the two commandments, if we go back to them, Ernest Holmes said, uh, you know, in agreement with Jesus, right? The two greatest commandments is love, love God with all your heart and love your, you love your neighbor as yourself, right? This is it. We're all about love. You know, and, and when people say, well, what does the elevator talk about, about religious science? How can you say, you know, what, what our philosophy is in, you know, three sentences or something like that? And everybody goes, well, it's not Christian science and it's not, you know, and it's not. And they, and they go on this big, long rant about what it isn't, you know. And basically what I tell people is love God, love each other, do good work. That's it. That's really, <laughs> thank you. That's really what we're about, is, aren't we? I mean, that's just it, you know. Uh, yeah, you know. So, so when we have the courage to be our authentic selves, you know, that spirit's calling us. That is spirit's calling for us. Spirit made us that way, right? With all of, with all of our gifts and talents and strengths. And so it is, it is our job then, if that was our inheritance, it's our job to use it correctly, to be ourselves out in the world, to not be an imitation of somebody else. Right, so our, our motivation is love. We speak only truth, we cannot hurt others. When we have the courage to be our, ourselves in the world, we are blessed and we are a blessing. And we no longer care when you really have the courage to be yourself out in the open, you no longer care what other people think of you, which is not the same as saying we don't care about people, right? That's not the same thing. It doesn't mean we don't care about others. It means we don't care about what other people are judging us. We just don't, it's like, I'm too busy to, you know, worry about my shoes not matching my pants, you know? It's like, whatever. Yeah, you can tell me it's okay, you know? We care about all of humanity. We just don't care about others' judgment of us, right? That's, when you have that, when you when you have when you've developed that quality of courage, it's okay just to be yourself. Some people will love 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 your authentic self. Some people, meh, you know, you may not be their cup of tea. That's okay. That's absolutely okay. Ernest Holmes said this. This is in the ten uh, lesson home study course. He said every conscious thought we think is a turn of the lens to clear or obstruct the picture of our true being. As we consciously begin to think about the wholeness of ourselves, the health, the radiance, the vitality of the living spirit within us, we begin to properly focus the lens of the mind upon the spiritual body. 
prayer by prayer, affirmation by affirmation, and thought by thought. We move the mind into in alignment with the divine reality that exists at the center of our being. Oscar Wilde summed it up perfectly. He said, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Thank you.